Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the best show on the internet. This is the RR Show. And it is, honestly, the best Reddit show on the internet. Now, I am terribly sorry about the little dry spell, but we were distracted, you see, making the best Reddit content that YouTube has ever seen. If you are not subscribed to our YouTube channel, I demand you go and do it now because the videos we are making over there are fantastic. They are the best videos on YouTube. Also, our content's going to be up on YouTube before it's on the podcast. However, it will always be up on the podcast. Every Friday will be a new episode and we're going to crack on and continue making some great content for you guys. Today, we're jumping into a little bit of r slash let's not meet. So grab your tea, your popcorn, and your comfy make you feel better from the scary, nasty guys, Blanky. And let's go with our first story from Paranoid and Geeky. A cult followed my friends and I on the train tracks. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Now, I know a lot of people are going to think this is fake, but I swear it is not. I've got my best friend as a witness. This happened a few years ago when I was about 13. I'm 5'7 and about 125 pounds, so I'm pretty small, but I usually have pepper spray and a pocket knife on me. I am embarrassed to say, though, in the excitement of exploration with my best friend, I forgot my pepper spray and my knife. I love to explore and travel, even, or especially in places that I'm not allowed. So when I moved in, of course, one of the first places I explored was the train tracks. So I had my best friend come over one day to explore the neighborhood with me. And we decided the train track was the perfect place to explore. We were walking for an hour or two, but it was still light outside and we had just passed a small neighborhood, so we felt pretty safe. But when I turned around to throw a stick, I saw five hooded figures following us from about 200 feet. I tried to pretend I didn't see them. I told my best friend calmly, we decided to look at them straight on and see what they would do. Once we looked at them, they stopped. So did my friend and I. We stared at each other for a few seconds, but it felt like hours. Finally, they made their move. Three of them went left, two of them went right. We heard the sound of loud and fast footsteps, so we finally snapped out of our trance and ran as fast as we could. We were both in cross country and we were being held together by adrenaline so could run faster than we could normally. Luckily, because I explored on those same tracks alone a few days ago, I knew if we ran half a mile more, we'd make it to a bridge above another small neighborhood. We somehow made it. No clue if we were still being followed or not, but out of fear, we jumped 10 foot down 
and kept running deep into the neighborhood until finally we saw some other people. Then we slowly walked home, shaking and exhausted. Looking back now, I regret not telling my parents, but I was scared they wouldn't let me explore alone anymore. But one thing is sure, I didn't go on those train tracks again, and I never will. That's one of those let's not meet stories that leaves me with more questions than answers, and I just don't know how I feel about that. This next one is also a bit of a freaky one. Posted by Linthalia, I found an abandoned Nissan in the Alaskan bush. What happened afterwards haunts me to this day. Back in my 20s, I was what you might call an adventure girl. About 10 years ago, give or take, something happened that changed that. I moved to the city, got a boring job and boring apartment and became decidedly averse to the outdoors. I haven't really told anyone about it in all that time, save my now wife, because, well, for one, they'd think I'm crazy, and for two, I don't want to think about it. I'm finally putting it here, though. After all, you probably saved my life. At the time, I'd just graduated college and moved from Texas to Alaska, out of a desire for, yeah, you guessed it, adventure. I had a job doing stuff I liked. It paid well and gave me enough vacation days to get out and do something really adventurous every once in a while. One thing I had on my bucket list since moving north was driving the Dalton Highway. For the unfamiliar, that's a, generously, highway that goes from Fairbanks to Prudhoe Bay on the Arctic Ocean. It's a 500-mile, 11-hour drive in the summer. But thanks to work realities, I wasn't able to go out there until early autumn. By early autumn, the snow had started but the plows were still able to keep the highway pretty clear. And I was driving a 95 Toyota Land Cruiser kitted out for expeditions. I fucking loved that thing. Besides that, I was an adventure girl. I was prepared. I had camping gear, emergency gear, a, a satellite phone, plenty of food and water, enough jerry cans for the trip there and back, and Sam Colt's greatest invention in the center console, just in case. For the unfamiliar, that's the 1911. I fucking loved that gun. I was planning to make the trip in two days, sleeping in the back of the Land Cruiser halfway. I had enough blankets to keep warm, and I had a nice comfy space back there that I could fit in. I'd have to drive slower because of the snow. I wanted to enjoy the scenery, and the sun was setting pretty early by that time of year. I had a good start that day, and the driving was fine. By the time shit went down, it had been dark for about an hour, and I was getting into the foothills of the Brooks Range. That's good scenery and terrain. I didn't want to miss it by going through it in the dark. So I was just about ready to pull over for the night when I saw caution flashes up ahead. For the unfamiliar, a hard rule for any Alaskan is you always always pull over when you see someone in distress on the side of a remote road like that, especially after the snow started. If they aren't prepared for an emergency, there is a very, very good chance you could save their life. So that's exactly what I did. 
I pulled over next to a Nissan SUV. Not as nicely kitted out as mine, but not all that bad either. I figured they were doing the same thing I was. Small world, right? By the jack under one axle and the wheel sitting next to the car, they'd blown a tire. What I didn't see, though, were the people. I got out of my Land Cruiser, crunching down into the snow and looked around. There aren't a ton of trees that far north, but there are quite a few patches of evergreens that, while not quite forests, can be pretty dark and thick on a snowy night. Hey! I called, my voice going dead a few yards away, as sound does in the snowy woods. Y'all need help? No answer. Dead silence, save the faint clicking of the flashes from the Nissan. I shouted again. Anybody there? I've got tools! No answer. Dead silence. Now, I considered myself a pretty brave bitch back then, but I'll admit I was a little creeped out at this point. This vehicle definitely hadn't been there for all that long, but there was no one to be seen. Besides that, the dead quiet and the darkness of the night were unnerving. It wasn't that weird for it to be silent on a snowy night like this that far north, but still creepy. Creepy enough, I hopped back in the car and grabbed my 45, storing it in one of the big pockets in the front of my jacket, just in case. You know, there were bears and stuff up here. I approached the Nissan and saw footprints in the snow. Okay, so not a ghost's car. One pair had been crouched down and removed the tire. The other had been standing a couple of feet away. By the rear of the SUV, the latter pair had then at some point headed off towards the tree line. It stopped a few yards down, paced around a bit and then continued into the woods. The pair near the tire had then presumably later, gotten up and ran after the first. Now, I was no tracker, but it's not hard to tell when someone was running in snow. Now, I was really creeped out. I was tempted to hop back in the car and keep driving for a good long while, but like I said, this could easily have been a life and death. Besides, I had my 45. I could handle a grizzly. Probably. So off I went, following those two sets of footprints into the woods. It was fucking dark. But don't worry, y'all. I had a really nice flashlight. Surefire, baby. Adventure girl, remember? The dead quiet seemed to get even deader and quieter somehow as soon as I passed the tree line, as sound does in snowy woods. Probably the only thing comforting me that I hadn't gone deaf was the sound of my breath and my boots crunching into the snow. Hey! I called again, maybe 20 yards into the wood. Is everyone alright? This time, I got a response. It was a woman's voice, and it sounded afraid. Over here! It called. Help! I got a spring in my step at that, jogged towards the sound of the voice, shining my torch through the trees to try and catch a glimpse. Over here! It called again, much closer. Help! Remember when I said you'll probably save my life? This is when that happened. I stopped. The hair on the back of my neck had stood on end and a chill had run down my spine. Something was off about that voice. Couldn't put my finger on it. But something was wrong. I pointed my light towards where I had heard it. Are you hurt? 
I said, voice raised, but not quite shouting anymore. Help! The voice called again. Only it was even closer this time. I hadn't heard the crunch of any footsteps. Over here! My grip on my flashlight tightened and my heart started to hammer in my chest. This was not right. I've read a lot of no sleep back then and I'd watched and listened to my fair share of spooky stories. At this time, I didn't think any of this stuff was real. But what was happening to me felt way too familiar, and it was setting off alarm bells. Something about this exact situation was tugging at the back of my mind as something I should be terrified of. I tried one more time. What's your name? I asked cautiously. Help! The voice called, and it couldn't have been more than a few yards off. That was enough for me to swap my light to my left hand and bring the coat out of my right. I pointed both in the direction of that voice, and finally, I caught a glimpse of something beside the trees. Off in the distance, barely visible, I could see a bundle of something laying in the snow. It was human-sized, and the snow all around was strained dark. My head was in the middle of processing what it was seeing when I saw movement between me and the body. Oh shit. That was a body. I pointed my flashlight and my gun at the source of the movement. It was humanoid? Two arms? Two legs? But it was all wrong. The limbs were too long and it was too tall. Its hair was thin and wiry. It had antlers? Fucking antlers? And his face, which was also, I assure you, just really, really fucking wrong, was stained dark with what I can only assume was blood. I fired two shots and hauled ass. I don't know if the bullets slowed it down. I don't even know if I hit it. I ran faster than I'd ever run before, and by the cracking branches and crunching snow behind me, it was giving chase. My heart felt like it was going to explode on my chest. My lungs burned from sucking in the frosty air. Once or twice, I saw death flash before me as I nearly lost my footing in the snow. But I managed to stay upright. As I ran, I heard more snapping, more crunching. Not just behind me now, but all around me. There were more! I got really fucking lucky that night. I was lucky to have spotted the body, lucky to have run just fast enough and not fallen on my face, lucky none of the whatever they were, I have a guess but I'd rather not hazard it, were just a bit closer and faster. I was lucky I had dabbled in enough spooky stories that my alarm bells were going off, and I was lucky that the poor couple, maybe in that Nissan, had gotten stranded there and suffered the grisly fate they had suffered. After all, I was planning to stop, just as I saw those caution flashes. I'd have been right there, in that same woods, asleep. I don't want to think about what would have happened to me if that had been my case. I made it to my car, which I was again lucky to have left running, thinking I wouldn't go far. I leapt in, slammed and locked the doors, threw it in reverse as I saw dark, lanky shapes coming out of the trees. As I got moving, the headlights revealed 
what had been chasing me. I can't say exactly how many of them there were, at least half a dozen. All of them were similarly stretched, pale to the point of being almost white with various forms of antlers and primitive looking clothing. I reversed down the road as fast as I dared without risking going off and dooming me to a certain death. For a good half mile, before I finally got the nerve to turn around. Then I flew down the highway all the way back to Fairbanks, only stopping once I found a nice, well-lit hotel in the middle of the city. The next day I was back in Anchorage. I thought about calling the state troopers. Someone was going to find the Nissan, probably find the bodies. They'd find my casings, the tire tracks. I could end up a murder suspect. I decided against it though. If I ratted myself out, I'd be a murder suspect anyway. And then they'd know it was me. Better to bet that no one could tie me to the scene. Especially being as far from local as I was. Over the next week, I packed my shit, bailed on my job, my lease, moved back to Texas. I never ended up with the police banging on my door, so I guess I made the right choice. I still have nightmares about those wrong, elongated things chasing me. Probably a PTSD, but it's not like I can talk to a therapist about it now, is it? At least not about ending up in the loony bin. I'm not an adventure girl anymore. I never go anywhere at night, and I stay in the city as much as possible. I didn't get out of there unscathed, but I got out of there alive, which is better than I could have said for the folks in the Nissan. Like I said, I was lucky. Yeah, I can guarantee that they never stopped to help anyone else ever after that. Also, I just realized I told a horrible lie. I deceived you guys. I'm a fibber. That one wasn't from Let's Not Meet. That was from No Sleep. Our next one is from Let's Not Meet, though. However, I want to ask you guys a quick favor. You may have noticed that the sound design in this episode is a lot better than what we used to do. And that's because we're putting so much more effort and time into trying to really craft the greatest Reddit show that anyone's ever seen. I know we're good, but we want to be the absolute best for all time to come. If you got this far, I'm sure you love the show. And I'm sure you know other people that will love the show as well. So if you've got a second, it'd be a huge help to us if you could just share this with a couple of people you know that might like it. We really want to grow the show so that we can put more time and effort into making it fantastic. And you can really help us do that. If you can, I really, really appreciate it. You can also leave us a review. That's something else that helps us. If you can, that'd be amazing. And thank you so much. Anyway, I'm waffling. Next story, r slash let's not meet. Posted by SJ Polo, Weirdo in the Wilderness. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. To give you some context, this occurred roughly 14 years ago when I was 12 years old, living on the east side of an Australian rainforest. When I say rainforest, our house was on a 40-acre property surrounded by bush. 
The house itself was owned by a Swiss man named Hans. Occasionally he would come down with his tractor and cull the long grass surrounding our house so that we could access slightly more of the property in the summer. It's also extremely handy because if you know anything about Australia, it's that we have tons of beasties that can very easily and quickly kill you. We lived about 40 minutes drive from the small town centre. This meant that if we needed groceries, medical attention or to contact parents, say like if we were at school or whatever, it would be 40 minutes before we could do anything. The house sat on the side of a large mountain, roughly three quarters of the way up, so naturally most of the land we called home was strewn with valleys, nooks and hideaways. We had trails we could walk and they led to streams and small waterfalls, five to six meters. It was truly a mind-blowingly beautiful place, but considerably scary to me and my small siblings. One brother, one sister, both slightly younger than me. We knew the neighbors on both sides of our house and it was pretty remote. Our nearest neighbor was roughly a 10 minute drive away. One, oh. Lovely old lady, used to wave to us when we got off the school bus before we made the trek home every day. I think our parents asked her to keep an eye on us, to be honest. The other was a middle-aged man and his family. Now, this guy was a real jerk. He excavated all the way around the bottom border of his property where our properties met and continuously interrupted the stream and waterfall's clear flowing water supply. Lots of strange and creepy shit happens when you're living in the middle of nowhere, but one particular involved guy I certainly do not want to meet again. Being pretty removed from people, it was extremely rare that we got visitors that we didn't know were coming. When people we didn't recognize turned up, it's usually because they were lost and needed directions or assistance. One day though, a man in a ute came roaring down our driveway. I remember running inside to tell my dad. Someone weird was here. He immediately walked outside and went to see what this guy wanted. So a little background on my dad quickly. He is literally the most hardcore dude you will ever meet. He's got one leg after having it amputated earlier in his life. Had a motorcycle accident while being chased by the police. He was in the Navy and he was brought up in a very strict household. He grew up in a really rough part of Sydney's West, so he had some pretty shady contacts to uh, say the least. And in short, someone you really don't want to fuck with. I wouldn't be surprised if he killed someone in his life prior to having kids. Anyway, my dad goes outside to see what all the commotion's about while my mum keeps us inside. Uh, being protective, as mums do. The man has a large red furred dog in the back of his car that looks like a German Shepherd cross. It snarled at my dad, but immediately cowered when this stranger told it to shut up. Our dog, Millie, renowned beast killer just for the record, was snarling and going ballistic while being chained up in the house. Hi, my name's John. The way this man spoke was like he was a salesman. He was slick, smooth guy who on the outside seemed friendly, but with an overtone of wanting something. My dad immediately responded with, so what the fuck are you doing up here then, John? The man was taken aback, obviously not used to dealing with someone as hostile as my dad. 
They then talked for a while and I could hear my dad talking with a sense of confusion about whatever this man had had to say. I did, however, overhear my dad say, What the fuck are you thinking? Just call the cops! I found out later that the lovely old lady next to us had died. Apparently, John was on the other side of her property and went to visit and found her dead. He also asked my dad if they should move the body to make it easier for the police to investigate. This is obviously why my dad was telling the man to call the police immediately. Anyway, later that night, the police showed up to take a statement from my dad and John, who was hanging around at our house, until the police arrived. I remember my dad pulling an officer aside and explaining that John wanted to move the body when he first arrived. The police left without any more questions, as it looked like she had died from natural causes. John was still at our house. Now, I found him to be a really unsettling person. The way he smiled, the dark of his eyes, he was unfamiliar but acting like he was one of us. I remember it was a school night. I was trying to watch TV and he was playing songs on his guitar with my mum and dad at the table. Now I was angry because he was ruining my shows and I told mum I wanted him to go and that I thought he was weird. She smiled, told me that she felt the same and that I should just go to bed. The next day, things seemed normal. Went to school, came home. Not seeing the familiar friendly face of the old woman stung a bit on the way past her house. Felt strange and I hoped that she knew her family loved her before she passed. I was a bit sad on the walk home. Until halfway down the drive, I noticed John's ute again parked out the front of our house. I walked closer and was greeted by his dog, Rusty. He walked outside with my dad and I heard him call Rusty to his car as he was leaving. Apparently, he was borrowing tools from my dad. He left and waved goodbye like he was someone that I was going to miss. Again, that sense of over-familiarity made me feel uncomfortable. I didn't know this man. I didn't like this man, and I was hoping he would never come down our drive again. Anyway, so my dad then pulls me aside and he, he asked what I thought of John. I labelled him as a weirdo and told my dad I was hoping he wouldn't come back. For the second night in a row when John returned dad's tools, he was sitting in our house playing guitar and annoying everyone. My mum and dad were visibly unimpressed by the situation. I heard my mum and dad argue about him hanging around until eventually my dad told him he needed to leave, as it was time for us to go to bed. He insisted it was early and tried to make an excuse to stay. I found this very odd. I was polite enough to know when someone didn't want me to be around, so why didn't this man? Or if he did know, why wouldn't he leave? After ushering him out, my mum and dad had a big talk in their room and my dad told us all that he didn't like John and that he was going to ask him to not come over anymore and if we saw John again, to immediately tell him. The next day was a Saturday, so we were going to blow up our cheap inflatable pool and go for a swim as it was starting to get pretty warm. 
Around 11 a.m., the sound of a car thundering down the driveway alerts me, and I go outside. I run back inside, tell my dad John is back. Just like the first time I ever laid eyes on John, my dad goes outside and we stay inside, watching with my mum through the screen door. John again, with his weird over-familiar smile and dark eyes, greets my dad and is met with, look mate, I don't know who you think you are, but I don't want you around here anymore. You scare my kids and my wife, and I don't want you to come back. Do you understand? I didn't hear John's reply, but from his tone, it sounded like he was confused and tried to reason with my dad. Dad wasn't having any of it and told him to go or he'd call the cops. As he was leaving, dad said, don't come back or you'll be sorry. This is where things truly get weird. As my dad lays this subtle threat on the man, his face completely changes to one of rage. He glares at us in the house, sticks up his fingers and speeds out the driveway, shouting profanities and churning up gravel, spraying it towards our house. My dad came back and told us we wouldn't be seeing John anymore. And if we did, we were to call the police. I was relieved. This odd man made me feel uncomfortable in my own home, and the way he reacted when he left confirmed the feeling I got from him when I first saw him. I can't remember if it was the Sunday or the Monday after that day, but John did come back. He tried to reason with my dad and say sorry for whatever caused us to not like him. Before I even got out of the ute, my dad said, if you don't turn around and leave, I'm gonna smash your face in. He did just that. My dad then called the police to inform them about what happened. Apparently, they were going to go and talk to John. I didn't hear any more of what happened of that conversation. A few weeks went by with no sightings or happenings with John, and we all felt like things were back to normal. This was all before our mailbox was knocked to the ground and smashed, or possibly run over. I remember asking my dad what happened, but he wasn't about to give me any ideas. He later told me that he knew it was John after the way their last conversation ended. The next weekend, after the mailbox incident, we went into town to get groceries and fast food for dinner. You know, a bit of a treat. And when we came home down the driveway, my dad immediately stopped my mum from proceeding and said that something was wrong. Next to the carport, where we parked our car at the back of the house, there was a window that was open to the bathroom. My dad must have spotted the window was missing as we drove down. He got increasingly more tense until we noticed the window was missing. I remember being confused in the back seat, not really knowing what was going on until I saw it. A man, dark eyes, over familiar, coming from that window that led to the shower. My dad was exploding with rage. He told my mum to rush down the driveway so that we could fuck this guy up. The man proceeded to escape the window and run down the back of our property into a thick latana, like a really fawny shrub-like plant. My dad only being on his one leg let Millie loose as she was going ballistic tied up to the house. She raced down to the bush, engulfing the hill into the darkness. She came back with nothing. My dad went out with his flashlight and couldn't find anything either. I'm not sure if anyone slept that night. None of our possessions had been stolen or even moved, 
we must have caught this man just as he was entering our house. The police came the next day and searched for fingerprints with no avail. My father was furious and again alerted them to John and his strange behavior. They told us they would look into it once again. That was the last thing we heard from John that year. I had almost completely forgotten about him and had the summer off to enjoy myself, get ready for high school. The school I went to is pretty large considering where we were, but everyone seemed to know each other pretty well, including all the teaching staff. Within my first week at the school, we were introduced to all of the teachers and to the teacher's aides. I was caught completely unaware when that over-familiar, dark-eyed man from the previous year was reintroduced as a teacher's aide. Except instead of John, he was now introduced as Gregory. I went into a little bit of a spin. I was trying to make sense of it all. I was 100% sure that this man named Greg was the same man who had introduced himself to my family as John. At that moment, so many things rushed into my head. What if he killed the old lady? What if he didn't live close by? What if he wanted to move the body so he could frame my dad? If he lied about something as critical as his name, what else is he lying about? What if police never ever made contact with him? I was sitting there for a good 10 minutes trying to piece it all together until the teacher called my name and brought me back to reality. That's when he noticed me. The look on his face when he saw mine was one I'll never forget. He immediately recognized me. He looked shocked. His eyes were wide and he said nothing, just staring. I had just found his dirty little secret. I could sense that he was now the one feeling uncomfortable and on edge. Later that day, I rushed home to tell my dad who I had found. He was shocked and repeatedly asked, was I sure? He went to the school the next day and discovered the man had put in for indefinite leave the day before and may not return. When we heard of the news, my dad told me to watch out and let him know should John or Greg ever return. So, John, Greg, whoever you are, let's not meet again. True terrors of horror, bizarre happenings, unexplainable events. On our podcast, Disturbed, Terror Takes Center Stage. Each episode is a journey into the darkest corners of human existence, delving into bone-chilling tales of kidnappings, serial killers, maniacs, and the very essence of your worst nightmares coming to life on this weekly true horror show. Disturbed is not for the faint of heart. It's an exploration of real, unadulterated horror sourced from everyday people. Each episode is a descent into the macabre, where we narrate stories that will leave you on the edge of your seat and crawling in your skin. We navigate the disturbing narratives that lurk in the shadows, offering a raw and unfiltered listen into the most terrifying aspects of the human experience. 
Enter at your own risk and let the unsettling tales unfold in the haunting realm of Disturbed. And remember, listeners, stay safe out there. There we go. Sorry about the dry spell. I hope this episode makes up for that. If you've got a second, please leave us a review or share this podcast with someone you know or go and subscribe to our YouTube channel. All of that helps us out. Thank you so much, guys. And I will see you in the next episode. Peace out. Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. Do you enjoy science, spooky stories, and all things paranormal? We do too. While we would love for most paranormal stories to be true, we are here to tell you that they probably aren't. But that doesn't make them any less fun to speculate about. We are the Spooky Science Sisters podcast. In this podcast, we bring you bi-weekly discussions on possible scientific explanations behind the supernatural. Backed up by research articles and other credible sources, we do deep dives into things like archaeology and physics and share in-depth discussions with topic experts. Visit us at SpookyScienceSisters.com to listen to a couple of skeptics debunk some of your favorite alien encounters, cryptid sightings, and ghost stories with science, sass, and a significant amount of laughter. Thank you and stay spooky.